This is Legacy Battle. Make sure you hit like and subscribe whenever you're listening on. I'm Mike Williams, creator of Legacy Battle. My panelists tonight, we, we got a, we got a full crew from the Gridiron Battle Zone. Brian King, Leroy Thompson, Peggy Holmes. Joined tonight by a uh, former running back out of the Ohio State University, where he set the school rushing record in a bowl game. He's drafted in the fourth round by the Chicago Bears, would lead them in rushing in 1997. He actually started as a fullback with them after the Merrill Hodge injury, but then went to running back with them. I uh, played for a few other teams in the NFL, uh, but he's here to, to join us tonight. We got Raymond Harris. Ray, thanks for joining us. Hey, what's up, man? Thanks, Good to meet you. Mike, what's going on, everybody? What's going on? Uh, I actually, led, I led the Bears in 96 and 97, if we're being technical. But yeah, <laughs> there you go. You know, there you go. we're all about getting the correct information out here. Yeah. So tonight's the base going to be the best running back whose career ended too soon. Uh, something that, that, that Raymond here is is familiar with is some injuries later on in his career. So he can uh, attest to the difficulties that go with that. Um, before we go to our first player, our honorable mentions, players that just missed tonight's debate is uh, Jamal Anderson, Billy Sims, Kurt Warner, not the quarterback, running back, <laughs> and uh, Christian Okoye. So some pretty good backs, had fantastic careers, all ended too soon. But uh, we're going to start tonight out with uh, – we're going to start with Peggy. Oh, that's great. And, of course, I didn't pick Gail Sayers – just because I knew you were with the Bears, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> but Gail Sayers has been one of my heroes for a long time. Of course, we all know the circumstances. 1968 season, he goes up against the 49ers and bam, tears his MCL, ACL, and meniscus cartilage. Basically, his knee is hanging by a thread. Mm. Everybody's looking at that. It's 1968. There's no uh, revolutions in sport medicine or anything like that. His career is over. And for the Kansas Comet, for all those fans that would just love to see him run back, punts, run back, kickoffs, do things that no other guy can do, needing only 18 inches of space. That's what he said himself, mm -hmm. to find that old. I mean, this was just devastating. We said, no way. He and his friend Brian Piccolo, in the offseason, they get together 10 months, and he's ready to play again. Unheard of. I mean, the story of courage, even with those two guys, is just amazing. But we go now to the 1969 season. Everybody's saying, oh, well, let's see uh, if he's going to favor that knee, if he's going to do what I call physiological compensation. Another amazing season. The only 1,000-yard 1, 1, rusher, 1969, comeback player of the year. Everybody is just wow. What an athlete. Unfortunately, after that 69 season, he comes in in 70, and now it's his left knee that causes him all the problems. I have to say that that was a wonderful year in 69, but with the what I call the compensation the way the body and the muscle memory compensates by injuring that left knee, which he must have been favored because the original catastrophic injuries on the right knee. Basically, after that, he hurts his ankle. 70, 71, he comes back again after two surgeries on the left knee, and then it's over. Raymond, uh... Gail Sayers, long-legged style runner, explosive cutbacks. You know, what? we saw that uh, later on in life. We saw Barry Sanders. A lot of Gail Sayers was in Barry Sanders. But what are your thoughts on, on Gail? Uh, you know, he was obviously, like, one of the greatest running backs of all time. Uh, what's wild is uh, me starting my first four years in, uh, in Chicago, I got a chance to meet and know Gail Sayers. And I got a chance to watch, like, some of the, the film. Now, as Peggy said, I mean, I mean, 
look, I didn't know anything about this. I wasn't even born when Gail Sears was playing. So I had to I had to watch old uh, old <laughs> maybe you were born. <laughs> but yeah, I had to I had to watch film and, and I, you you could absolutely tell like how amazing uh how beautiful his stride was. He was just so graceful. And when players around the time, when they all say that he is the absolute best player that they had ever played against, I mean, you know, how can you not put him, uh, if not at the top, very much near the top uh, of the list when it comes to best running backs whose whose injuries, I mean, whose uh, careers were cut short? Absolutely. Well, let's move. Let's move on to uh, TD here. So Terrell Davis, I'm representing him. So joined the Broncos in 1995 out of the draft. It's from 95 to 98, and that this four-year period here, that's ages 23, basically, to 26 years old. His yards go from 1,100, 1,500, 1,750, 2,000. Touchdowns go from 7, 13, 15, 21. So we've got a four-year period where he's really the best running back in football. Um, he picks up that MVP in 98. Uh, in that season with a 2,000 yards rushing, he averaged 125.5 yards a game. Um, so he just kept getting better and better every season. Uh, during that time period, he was a three-time All-Pro, Super Bowl MVP, won two Super Bowls, of course. And he was uh, got elected to the NFL All-90s team in that running back position. Now things start to go a little, a little awry in 1999. Um, from 99 to 01, we're talking 27 years old to 29 years old. He only played in 16 games. And uh, in those three seasons, you know, they 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 weren't very good. His average was under four yards and all but one of them, uh, you know, per carry there. Um, but, you know, it was in 99 where he, he tore his, I'm probably going to say this wrong, but the anterior cruciate, cruciate ligament yeah. and the mini- medial collateral ligament so i'm not a doctor but uh obviously and then 2000 he had uh, arthroscopic surgery on both knees so he just he took a beating during the, those four years where he was outstanding his carries were over 400 twice which we know what that can do to a running back on the carries um but you know the nfl put him in the hall of fame and uh you know that that's that shows how great he really was for those four seasons he certainly didn't have the longevity. A lot of people kind of complained about him getting put in because of that. Uh, we heard that years prior, you know, Lynn Swan was another guy that didn't have the, the time in, but he still got put in. Um, he certainly had a, a, a four-year run there that was Hall of Fame worthy. And just one last thing I want to add here is that, you know, running backs' careers, they usually at the age of 30 kind of come to an end or they really start to go downhill from 30 on. And, you know, this guy's career ended really at 26 years old. So he could have had another four years of, of, of just greatness. Um, and, and that's something to think about when you vote later is the fact that, uh, you know, he had another four years he could have got before 30, where some of these guys we're talking about tonight were already at 30 before these injuries occurred. So, uh, Raymond, with, with TD, my first question would be, do you think he should be in the Hall of Fame? I would say absolutely. Uh, here's the thing. I don't think there's been a running back in the history of the sport that had a four-year, like, burn the way TD, the way Terrell Davis did. Uh, it's interesting. I go back in time. In my junior year in college at Ohio State, we played Georgia in the Citrus Bowl. And on our team, the three running backs were Robert Smith, myself, and Eddie George. On the other team was Garrison Hurst, and his backup was Terrell Davis and Max Strong. So, like, we had, like, an amazing amount of, 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 uh, of talent on the field. Uh, as I went on uh, in my career, uh, my third team ended up being Denver. So when TD actually got hurt, they brought me into, you know, into the fold over at Denver. But, uh, you know, fortunately for the team, Mike Anderson really took off, and so I never really got a chance to, to play. But playing behind that offensive line and that scheme from uh, Alex Gibbs and Shanahan, I mean, he was definitely a beneficiary of, like, amazing talent around him. But um, when it comes to, like, just straight-up production, for you to carry the football 400 times in the NFL against, like, these headhunters 
and then still put up the same type of production that TD did, won the MVP as well as uh, multiple Super Bowls, how could he not be near the top of the list when, he, when we, uh, we put this all together? And that, that was actually, you kind of mentioned there what, what my other question was going to be uh, with that offensive line and the scheme, the, the, the cutback or, you know, the cutout blocks, you know, how, how much did he benefit from that? I mean, he benefited a, a great deal, but when it comes to, uh, sorry, I have a friend over here is, is, is checking on me. So, no. so um, he was a, a huge beneficiary of it. The, the scheme was amazing. You didn't have to do a lot of crazy things. You didn't have to do like Barry Sanders type things and, and read multiple levels. You had one cut and you run downhill and linebackers and, and safeties are meeting you with a six, seven, eight yard head steam. And he was masterful at this. So um, sure, he was a beneficiary of it, but I mean, not everyone could, could put up the uh, production that he did. Um, as evidence in 2000 when he was hurt and uh, Orlandis Gary was hurt and Mike Anderson as a true rookie, they had him on um, uh, starting. Mike ended up having 1,400 yards rushing, which is an amazing amount of yards. But if it were TD, it would have been over 2,000. So, like, that truly, like, um, solidified, like, how great he was to me, seeing it firsthand. Well, let's move on to Leroy. I think we can all see who he's repping. <laughs> I love it. Bonos. Bonos. <laughs> all right. So uh, uh, the reason I believe Bo Jackson to be the, the greatest uh, NFL running back whose career was cut short was for a number of reasons. Um, the more I the more I looked at it, there was a uh, the first thing that stuck out to me besides being the only Heisman winner on the list was uh, how much Al Davis liked him and, and really wanted him as a teammate. Um, he drafted him in seventh round after Bo said that he wouldn't play for Tampa Bay for. For, for many reasons, after they had uh, drafted number one overall. Al Davis liked him and respected him so much that he gave him the opportunity and said, you know, hey, you can play your baseball. You know, um, everybody knows Bo was a famous two-sport athlete, as the picture. Um, and Al Davis was all right with him playing playing in the, in the uh, in Major League Baseball and doing what he wanted to do with that. Um he was extremely fast. He ran a, a 4.13.40, um, the, the fastest clocked 40 at the time. Um, and I know one thing that stood out to me, of, of course, I, I'm a huge Seahawks fan, so I grew up not really liking Bo as much as I like him and appreciate him now. Um, uh, I remember in 87, in his rookie year, Monday Night Football game, um, Brian Bosworth had been talking about how, you know, that they were going to contain him, you know, saying Bo was over, overrated, overhyped. And in the second quarter, Bo Jackson uh, steamrolled Bosworth on his way into a, a, a touchdown from the goal line. And it was an injury that ended, speaking of, you know, careers ending early, ended Bosworth's injury. Um, so, yeah, put a, you know, Got him to be quiet about that. He ended up having a 91-yard touchdown uh, or a 91-yard touchdown run later in that game. And actually, Bo Jackson, in the four years he played, three of those years, in 87, 89, and 90, he had the longest touchdown runs from scrimmage with 91, 92, and 88-yard runs. So that right there shows his his speed also. Um, but – in that game, also, to go back to the Monday night game with the Seahawks, besides having that 91-yard run that, that game, he had a 221 yards total rush in that game. So, you know, he's, he, he showed Bosworth a lot. He, he, he really put his money where his mouth was. And that 221 yards is still a Monday night record to this day. Um, he ended up averaging his rookie year 6.8 yards per carry. His career, he averaged over 5.4 yards per carry, which is, you know, a, a great number. To me, it shows vision, you know, of course, speed that we talked about. And 
Bo was also a great example of power, in my opinion. Um, we hear about in January 13th, 91, he had the career ended injury against the Bengals when he was tackled on yet another long run of 34 yards. But what a lot of people don't know is after the injury that knocked his hip out of place, that he attempted to push his hip back into place because he wanted to keep playing. And to me, that shows toughness. Um, so, you know, we hear about, you know, we hear about these running backs that are, that are tough and fast and this and that. But to me, Bo Jackson is, is all of that. You know, he was, he was fast. He was, he was the first, uh, two sport athlete to be an all star, um, in the NFL and, and MLB in the same year. Um, he's paved the way for others. And, you know, of, of course, for, you know, for that generation, you know, Bo knows, Bo knows. Um, but, you know, we saw a small sample size in the four years that he was, that he was with us in the, in the majors and the, the, the NFL and, uh, you know, in my opinion, is the the best NFL running back to have his career in its short. Grandma, Bo Jackson could not be caught. Once he was in that backfield, he was gone. You know, what, what are your thoughts on Bo? Oh, he was a rat. It's a rap. Uh, Bo Jackson was my idol. He is the he was the reason I got number thirty four because he was so good, so talented. And uh, I tried to pattern my game after him. Unfortunately, I didn't have the same speed and explosion that he did. But he was uh, he was our generation's uh, Michael Jordan, like in football. Um, you can only imagine like what he could have done if he just played football by itself. And when you look at like the career numbers, the amount of explosive runs. The what, uh, like my guy said, like Leroy said, three years he had the longest run in the NFL, and he didn't play, you know, the entire season as everyone else did. So um, he had like an amazing like yards per carry uh, for his career. He was the strongest, most explosive, fastest guy. Uh, he was one of those guys who. Um, um, when you're on the opposing team, usually like you're like listening to the uh, uh, the schemes and you're listening to the, uh, you know, the offensive line coach to give you some pointers on like where you should maybe be cutting the ball and paying attention. But if Bo Jackson or Barry Sanders were playing, yeah, you're watching the screen to make sure that like you're not missing out uh, because he was like the actual players. Um, we were fans of him. So it makes perfect sense for Bo Jackson to be high on, on this list as well. well. Let's move on to our final player tonight. Go ahead, Brian. All right. I got Priest Holmes. Priest, he started his NFL career in Baltimore with the Ravens, uh, but he did not have as many opportunities as he would have hoped. Uh, over a four-year span, the undrafted free agent only gained about 2,000 yards, uh, playing second fiddle first to Eric Rett and then to Jamal Lewis. Uh, in 2001, he finally got his chance to shine after inking a deal with the KC Chiefs. And, man, did he make the most of it. Over 1,500 yards on the ground, the rushing crown, 10 touchdowns, a league-leading 2169 yards from scrimmage, and was named first-team All-Pro. So how did he top that? Well, in 2002, he had over 1,600 yards on the ground led the NFL with 2,287 yards from scrimmage, and found the end zone of scorching 24 times. That is the third highest total in NFL history up to that point, and his 163.4 yards from scrimmage per game is still the all-time highest average in NFL history. Uh, he was named first-team All-Pro again and AP Offensive Player of the Year. So now, how could he possibly top that? Well, in 2003, he again topped 2,100 yards from scrimmage, and he broke the single-season NFL record with 27 rushing touchdowns, and that still stands as the second-highest total in NFL history today. In 2004, he was rolling again. He had 892 rushing yards and 14 touchdowns in just eight games, headed for another superb season, but that's when disaster struck. He suffered a knee injury, which sidelined him for the rest of the year. 
In 2005, things got much worse for Priest. He suffered a spinal cord injury after a hard hit from Sean Merriman. And this one pretty much did him in. Uh, he tried to come back a couple years later, but it was unsuccessful. But in that brief 54-game span from 2001 to 2004, Priest was on top of the mountain. Five uh, uh, 5,482 rushing yards, 2,163 <clears throat> receiving yards, 76 touchdowns. That's a blazing average of 146 I'm sorry, 141.6 yards from scrimmage and 1.4 touchdowns per game. As things stand, Priest Holmes is not in the Hall of Fame, and he will most likely stay on the outside looking in. But we cannot help but think what might have been with this guy. If he could have stayed at the same blistering pace that he was at prior to his knee injury for the rest of 2004 and for a couple more seasons after that, he would have finished his career with about uh, 12,000 rushing yards and 150 touchdowns. Uh, that would have been more than guys like John Riggins and, and O.J. Simpson and Earl Campbell and more TDs than guys like Marcus Allen and Adrian Peterson and Walter Payton. I, I think that would have made Priest Holmes a Hall of Famer for sure. Uh, sadly, you know, some major misfortunes robbed Priest of that chance. I don't know y'all going to cut this part out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so... So oh, Raymond, what what are your what are your thoughts on on Priest? Um, I mean, he, the career cut short. I mean, you heard what I said there. I know you said that about the about the four year span for for TV, but I really think Priest's four year span is probably right up there. Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm with you. Uh, Priest was another one of my peers. He's a, a guy who was making it happen during the uh, the late '90s, early 2000s, and he was what was so impressive about him was he started his career somewhere else. He was a thousand yard rusher there, then got lost in the sauce, was able to go to a brand new team and not only pick up where he left, left off, but he was so much better uh, in that Kansas City uh, offense. Uh, he was, you talk about one of the earlier guys who were like explosive and like uh, not only running, but also like pass receiving. Um, what people don't realize is he was one of those all-purpose backs who could actually, you could keep him in on third down because he was a good enough uh, pass protector that, you know, he uh, also protect the quarterback so he, he wouldn't be falling off and, and putting like the offense uh, in a position of a, a liability. So that's what made him even so much better and allowed him to like build up like a lot of yards like on third down as well. Um, Priest Holmes is amazing. Um, for me personally, I, I, with him playing like eight or nine years, that's like three times the amount of uh, seasons that like a, a running back can play. Now, of course, it's cut short by injury, but he also, you know, played damn near 10 years. So for me, um, as amazing as he was, and if we're just being specific to like what we're talking about, you know, in, in this category, uh, he would fall down a little bit lower on, on the list because um, because of the amount of years he had a chance to play. Right, right. Makes sense. Well, let's see. Since, since the host isn't here right now, uh, he'll be back in just a second. Um, let's let's go ahead and just move on to the Q and A, and then we can backtrack to the vote. Okay. So, um, uh, Peggy, do you want to you want to give a, the first question for Raymond? Yeah, and I've been thinking about this question ever since I heard you were going to be on. Oh. But this is a question I know you can handle. Um, this is something that's been said today in the NFL, that running backs are a dime a dozen. They have short shelf lives. We can get anybody to run the ball. Do you agree with that? perspective from a from a coaching point of view and then from a player point of view uh from a player point of view I understand what they're saying and I see why people say things like that uh there are people that have been wildly successful as mid-round draft picks as undrafted free agents and that have gone on to have like amazing careers but in my opinion, that's really um, on like the personnel departments and how they pick these guys. 
didn't necessarily mean that those guys were a dime a dozen. They just were overlooked and people didn't understand how good they were. Someone like Terrell Davis didn't go until the sixth round. Didn't mean he wasn't like amazing. It just meant that, you know, people didn't have a, a, a true idea of like how talented he was because he rarely got a chance to play like when he was at Georgia. So um, I understand why people say stuff like that, but I don't, I don't agree with it. Uh, to, to be successful in the NFL as a running back, you have to, there's a, an amazing amount of, um, of things that you have to have at your, your disposal. Uh, first and foremost, you got to have vision. I mean, balance is great. <laughs> Some explosiveness. Today's NFL, you need to be able to have good hands. Uh, guys need to be able to hold on to the football, uh, especially now because now guys don't even aren't even taught to tackle. They're, they're rugby tackling now and just grabbing at the ball. Um, uh, being able to actually like understand and know how to read uh, um, defenses. Like all of these things come into play when it comes to like being a, a successful running back. And when you look at <clears throat> the list of running backs over the years that have gone on to, to have like success, for the most part, unfortunately, um, there are so many guys who were really, really good. And then after, I don't know, year three or four, or by the time they get 30, they just kind of fall off the map. You can look at someone like Sean Alexander. He was amazing. Uh -huh. Out of nowhere, he's gone. Uh, Le'Veon Bell, probably the most talented all-around running back that we've had in the, in the last 20 years. After being so successful, boom, he's gone. And we can go on and on and on. So um, you can find some 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 guys that are, are, are uh, maybe like in the fifth or sixth round or undrafted free agents, but it doesn't mean necessarily that they are not uh, great running backs. They could have just been overlooked. Uh, go ahead, Leroy. First off, I, I love that topic, and I, I love those thoughts because um, growing up a Seahawks fan, I'm a huge Sean Alexander fan. So um, I know I get, you know, I hear people debate all the time that the only reason he was good is because he had a good offensive line. But, you know, your your comments on vision and, you know, the the mental toughness and stuff, you know, I that's just – that's awesome to hear. Um, my question is more of a personal. Um, you know, you talk about the the, the – Ohio State Georgia game and the personnel on the field with Garrison Hurst and and Eddie George. I mean, just all these stars. And I'm I'm an I'm a nostalgic individual. What what is your best experience that you ever had, um, with with personnel, teammates, uh, rivals, whatever, with other other players that you play with, either in college or or the NFL, Mister Raymond? My best experience. Yes, Meaning sir. Like. Uh, just dealing with, with uh, like other guys. Yes, sir. Um, you know what? It would probably it would have to be college. Um, now, it's where I went to school was a different kind of place, and it wasn't the run of the mill college for across the country. There are probably five uh, schools that are you know considered like truly elite. And year in and year out, like those are, you know, those teams right there are are, are going to attract the most amount of um, five-star, four-star athletes. And so you end up like being on a team. And unlike in the NFL where like your your, your career lifespan is, is very short, you actually have to spend four, sometimes five years with, you know, on a team and you end up like building a, a true camaraderie with, with, with guys. Uh, nowadays, things are a little bit different. Guys that are like really talented, they can leave in three, but that's still like a significant a significant amount of time to be able to like build that camaraderie. Uh, Ohio State had that. Uh, I mentioned um, Eddie George and Robert Smith for '92, but during my time there, there was Carlos Snow and Scotty Graham and Jeff Cothran and Butler Benote as well. So at one point we had seven guys that played in the NFL all at uh, Ohio State at the same time. So when you when you come up in a, an environment like that, you realize the attention to detail that's, that's needed. 
the fact that you have to actually do well in school, because if you don't, um, you're not going to be at practice. And if you miss practice, that allows Eddie George to get on the field a few more times, and then now you're, you're never playing again. Mm-hmm. You're in a transfer portal or some, of some sort now. So <laughs> being able to uh, like to have like a foundation where not only were the guys extremely talented, but we were very close. Um, we were super competitive, but we didn't root against the other guy. We rooted for them. We wanted them to be, do really well. And as soon as they had an opportunity to uh, get on the field, I would always root for them. But trust me, if they came out of that field and I got my chance, they weren't getting back on the field. So being able to kind of be raised in, in that kind of environment, I mean, that was – that it truly – allowed me to to put myself in a position where I could be successful at the next level at um at, in Chicago. And actually, if I'm being honest, um my entire four years with the Bears, uh, I there was never a collection of, of of talent uh in the running back uh department as it was like in college. Right. That's awesome. That's awesome. But uh, Raymond, as I as I understand it, you recently launched a nonprofit uh, called Gene and Raymont Harris Foundation. Uh, could you tell us what's the ultimate mission of that project and how it came about and how our viewers could donate? Yeah, absolutely, man. Thank you so much for bringing that up. Um, so for the last 15 years, I was working in Ohio State's athletic department. I was the director of development, meaning I did major gift fundraising for all for the entire athletic department. And then uh, just recently, I decided to go out on my own, retire from Old State, and start my own business. And that's a, an elite mindset, coaching, consulting, and uh, public speaking business. And then I realized that there was, you know, I had this skill, I have this gift that I've worked on for a, a number of years of being able to get my hand in other people's pockets and taking their money. So <laughs> it, didn't, it didn't make sense to like, just kind of let that skill go away. So I decided to raise, I mean, to actually start my own nonprofit and start raising money for something that matters uh, more closely or is more closely in line to like, you know, the things that I care most about. So the I started the Gene and Raymond Harris Foundation. Gene Harris is, is my mother. And unfortunately, my mom passed uh, after giving birth to me. So the uh, mission of the of the uh, the nonprofit is to provide health, wellness, and free mental health resources for families affected by maternal mortality. Uh-huh. And then also um, providing free mental health resources for former athletes as well. Because um, when I look at it in its totality, like those two groups are the two uh, groups that, that truly make up me. And those are the areas that I really struggled and I'd love to be able to provide like some kind of uh, some kind of solid foundation for someone else uh, coming up after me uh, that may, you know, unfortunately be be struggling in those same areas. So um, the I just an- announced the nonprofit. And if someone wants to be involved, you can go to RaymontHarris.com. And on there, you'll find you'll see like ways to be able to uh, actually contact me and then they won't be contacting me, contact my, my business manager. And then also uh, that will allow for an opportunity to be able to see how you'll be able to, you can be involved, whether volunteering or stroking a nice big check to uh, help us support uh, families in need. That's great. Uh, you, you got time for one more, Raymond? Man, I got time, man. I got, that's all I got is time. All right, awesome. Okay, go ahead, Peggy. You know I'm waiting, and congratulations on finding that life after football. I went online and saw the work you're doing under EMP, and it really does show that, you know, a person can take their gifts and just, you know, make more, a second career, a second win, and uh, that's really great you've been able to do that. And... My next question has to do with that dark 1999 season when you were hurt. Fans all over the NFL would like to know what is going through a player's mind as he's rehabbing 
Is your life flashing in front of you? Are you you're thinking about other alternatives? When you get back on the field, are you thinking about what happens if I get reheard? We'd like to know what you were thinking about your future and your career while you were rehabbing from that injury. Hey, I think that's a great question. Thank you so much. I don't, in all the years of getting interviewed, I'm not sure anyone has asked me that. It's, um, it's a, it truly is a dark place. Um, I was in between teams, so I wasn't signed. So I was an unsigned free agent. And that alone uh, provides like this feeling of being in no man's land. So you don't have uh, a team to actually go to, to rehab, to work out, to do any of those things. So you have to kind of find other resources. Fortunately for me, I went back to Ohio State, uh, my alma mater, and there are so many guys that are currently in the league that I could, I had the, the, um, I had the the strength of friendship and resources at my disposal to be able to get healthy and get get back. Um, it's hard not to doubt yourself. We come from like an area, and it, we come from environments where we're so used to being dominant, and we're so used to being strong. And if once that stuff starts to fall apart, like it always does it's hard not to kind of doubt yourself. So um, I would watch different games and I watched different players that I thought that I was better than or knew that I was better than, and I see them having success. I see that um, no one's reaching out to me to have me on their team. And then you your life does start to flash in front of your eyes. And you wonder like, what is it that I will be doing now? Because when you are a football player at that level, you dedicate so much time and energy into being elite that you it's your plan A and B and C. So we're not looking at uh, hey, let me think about what I'm gonna do in my off season to make sure you know I you know I, I'd love to you know be a lawyer and an attorney or something. No, I'm not doing that. I'm gonna work my ass off. Um, work on, like, study my game, find all the deficiencies and, and, and truly pour myself into those to make myself, like, the best all-around player I can be. So that year and that time, it was it was scary. It was dark. And um, there were times that I, I truly questioned myself. And um, unfortunately, Peggy, I mean, well, fortunately, I was able to come back and play another year. Uh, I was merely a shell of myself. But um, it was a precursor to the, all the different things that, that really happened um, in terms of mental health issues and mental illnesses that I had to really truly deal with when all the uh, playing stopped and cheering stopped. So it was a, a, a nice little precursor to have me understanding that uh, I was about to start struggling with the transition, uh, leaving like this, you know, this football, which was my first love. Yeah. Yeah, be right. Oh, I'm 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 enjoying it. That's that's awesome. That was an awesome question by by Miss Peggy, and I'm that's that's so awesome. Like I said, that you've been able to find a life after football, um, and yeah. just the 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 brotherhood and the friendships that you made in college and in the pros. That's de definitely a feel good story. It's like you know I was talking about Bo Jackson with the sample size. You know, it, it's it's like. It's like you made the most of your opportunities and in, in in your sample size, you know, it was, it was larger. It was a larger, but yeah, just a, it, it's just, yeah, a great feel good story. Thank you Love so it. much. I appreciate yes. you saying that because it didn't feel good for a really long time. And yes, sir. one of the things that I truly want to shine a light on with my nonprofit is having people understand that the guys that play like, uh, in the NFL and major college football, these guys are not like uh, superheroes. They're not machines and they're not robots. And just because they have these huge shoulder pads and helmets, it seems like they, you know, they might be like some, you know, mechanical robot, but they're not. They're yes, living, breathing, 
uh, human beings who have been raised in this society to not necessarily be comfortable with sharing like their vulnerabilities by not being sad or admitting that they're afraid or asking for help. Like these are these, these are the guys that are under these helmets and they do any and everything that they can to, to be the best that they can at those positions. And they put themselves out there on the line and allow fans and media critics and all, podcasts judge them and critique them and say that they're not good or washed up or they suck. And like that stuff is real. So I like to try and shine a light to that because um, it's like when you are in that position, you're not necessarily viewed as someone who's like a true, real, living, breathing human being. But when these guys are able to to admit that they're afraid and sad and ask for help, it's truly like when they'll be able to kind of uh, discover like their true power and be uh, well-rounded to the point where they not only will be great athletes, but then they can be like great members of society as well. Well, Raymond, you alluded to it earlier. In, in 2010, you returned to your alma mater, Ohio State, a very impressive capacity. I mean, a director of development for the Department of Athletics. Uh, what did that mean to you to secure that position? And, and how would you sum up your 12 years in that important role? It was big. It was huge. Because I, uh, let's see, I, I retired in 2000, 2001. And for four years, I did radio and TV broadcasting. Obviously, that's why I'm so great right now on this. Things <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know, maybe. Yeah, but comfortable. Yeah, yeah very, comfortable. very chill, very chill and charismatic. Oh, that's very nice. You guys, I love this. Thank you, Leroy. It's great. <laughs> uh, just, just being honest. Thank you. Sorry, Leroy. <laughs> I got it. So for four years, I did radio and TV broadcasting, and then, um, and then I did uh home mortgages for J.P. Morgan Chase. So I kind of bounced around for eight years, like truly figuring out like what it was that I wanted to do. And then the opportunity to be able to go back to my alma mater and work in a capacity where I would still be involved with sports, but then also be front facing toward fans and, and alums and businesses and companies to help them uh, see how they can be involved in, in helping us uh, supportively, like with, with major gifts was a huge deal for me. Um, it helped me grow. Um, it helped me realize and understand that there was so much more to my life and what I could do. I became comfortable in asking people for money, which is a really difficult skill. I became more comfortable with, uh, public speaking and, and actually putting myself in positions of, of vulnerability. And, um, all along the line, I was able to like still do this and help support like this program that helped me become a man. So I felt like purpose and, and passion and uh, I felt like I was getting better as well. So uh, that 2010 opportunity to actually work in the university, uh, I actually first started in the business school. I worked there for two years before I went to athletics. And so to work 14 years there, it was, it truly was a, uh, like, like pretty much life-changing for me. Great question, BK. Can I ask one more? Can I ask one more? Peggy, <laughs> let's go. And, and by the way, on that list of players, great players that we wish we could have had more, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm going to add one of my favorites, Tim Biakabatuka. Oh, and man, I, I wish to have seen him more. I just love the way he ran. And Raymond, I want to follow up a little bit on 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 what you were saying, that niche that your foundation has found. One of the major issues NIH is now actually funding with grants is that infant and child and maternal mortality, which um, heretofore has been an issue that's really not been neglected so I really hope that you start making connection with some major institutions because 
it's been neglected too long. Yeah. People among people of color, our rate of infant and child mortality is three times the national average. Yeah. And we need something done. And I thank you for looking out for that issue. One final question. You are the GM. And of course, you need a running back badly. Okay, it's a component of your team. It's going to take you to the next step. What are the top three things you're looking for when you're looking at that draft class, when you're looking at that scouting reports and things like that? What are the top three things that you're looking at? Hmm. Or running back? So I'm the GM for... Who needs a running back? I'm not sure who needs the Bills. One. How about the Buffalo Bills? They need to upgrade badly. The Chicago Bears. They, yeah, they, they're going to. And the Bears too. Poor Montgomery and Singletary. But anyway, yeah. What are you looking at? What are the top three things you want this guy to have? The number one thing that matters to me is I like running backs that can make things make something happen in small spaces. So when it looks and feels like they are not gonna um, not gonna gain any yards, they're able to find a way to make some yards. I also love running backs that fall forward, who don't go backwards. So um, the to me, currently, my favorite running back, in the NFL is uh what's my guy's name? I just, he just lost his name for the running for the for the Cleveland Browns. My guy. Oh, oh Nick oh, Chubb. Chubb. Yes. Yes. Nick Chubb is so special. And I if if I were choosing a um to make my running back, he would look just like Nick Chubb. Because he's one of those guys, he has great uh, great vision. He has probably the best balance in the game. He, he runs through contact. He is able to make something out of nothing. And he's always falling forward. Because you're going to play against amazingly talented guys on defense. And they scheme against you every week. So there are going to be so many opportunities when like these uh, big linebackers and D, uh, DNs are, are hitting you at the line of scrimmage, and guys fall back, fall uh, backwards. If you're able to make two, three, four yards out of that, that puts you in a second and six. That puts you in a in a, a third and short, which becomes so like uh, when it comes to the calculations, it comes becomes so much easier to, to get first downs and move the chains and, and be able to have uh, scoring opportunities. Like that's the, like the true um, uh, specialness of, of, of a running back. So guys that can make something out of nothing, that fall forward, that have an amazing balance, like those are the guys I'm looking for. Guys that are shifty and can make things, you know, that, that are, are fun to watch and they may make some, some big runs here and there, but they're also like losing four and five yards, except Barry Sanders. Like those <laughs> those guys um, are not necessarily my favorite. Right. Yeah. So um, I guess let's backtrack to the to the debate. So um, Leroy, let's go to you first. Which one of those backs you can't you can't choose your own, but which one of those backs would you have gone with? Uh they were they were all impressive in their in their own. Um, I I like. Terrell Davis and and what he was able to get done in such a short amount of time, you know, I know I know Super Bowls are a team team collective effort. Um, I know did did never did have a great offensive line at that time, um, but to have two thousand yards to be a NFL MVP and be a running back is 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 definitely you know that's a you know that's a, a impressive. Um, but yeah, I would I would definitely say. TD, Terrell Davis, mile high. All right, got the sleeve in there. All right, Peggy, who do you got? Can't You can't take your own. You know I can't take my own, but I got to take both. Rate of um, man here. There's no <laughs> doubt about it. Hands down, Bo. And as Raymond said, imagine if he had been playing football full time. What, yeah. what records would have been 
just completely shattered uh, by his performances. I mean, it's just an amazing career that we wish we would have had more. Yeah. Okay, so it comes to me and actually going to make us a three-way tie because I, I like Gail Sayers. <laughs> yes. I, you know, Gail Sayers, to me, I mean, what he was doing was amazing. I mean, he set the touchdown record. Uh, he had six touchdowns in a game. I mean, that was that, that, that stood for years and years till finally Kamara just broke it a couple of years ago but or just tied it. But, you know, so it's like who knows what that guy could have done. Uh, um, you know, he was only, I think, 27 or something when he, when he left the game. I mean, it's That's just correct. like – Man, I mean, he he was a he was a threat every time he held the ball, whether it was a kick return or, or a reception or a rush, he could take it to the house anytime, anywhere on the field, any conditions too. I mean, if you look at that six touchdown game, that, that was in the mud against the 49ers. I mean, that I don't know how he did it. So I, I got to go with Sayer. So, all right, Raymond, you can you can break this tie now for us. Um, so which uh, which running back do you got? I absolutely understand, Gil Sayers. Uh, he was probably the most special. I love the idea of Bo Jackson. He was my hero. And uh, it's hard not to think that if he wasn't on the field more, he would have done like, he would have continued to do like some of the most amazing things we had, that we would ever see like on a football field. But when it comes to this category, guys, I'm going to go with Terrell Davis uh-huh. because of his the, um, <clears throat> when we talk about like the running backs that are special to me, the guys that make something out of nothing, the guys that fall forward, and the guys that are able to um, um, like really like like um, put their will into like a, against the defense that like the defense is all strong and great for you know uh, the first three quarters, but then the fourth quarter, yeah, they're they're wearing down. And that's because the running back is is, uh, is is putting that fire on them. Like that's why I'm, I would go with like someone like Terrell Davis. And I think about like what he could have done. Like so after he got hurt, then that allowed Alandis Gary to get uh, a thousand. You know, uh, I want to say twelve, thirteen hundred yards. At TD was hurt. That allowed Mike Anderson to have uh, a couple thousand yard you know uh, seasons. Just imagine. And, and I'm telling you. Those numbers that they put up, he would have put up probably two thousand. He would have clearly like broken like the uh, the record uh, for most yards and had would have probably had like a hands down the the greatest running back uh, career of all time. All right, so there you have it. Our top running back whose career was ended far too soon got Terrell Davis. So all right, great job, everybody. I w- I'd like to thank uh, thank you, Raymond, for coming on with us tonight. It's been a, it's been a real pleasure. We've really enjoyed it. Um, so everybody out there, if you haven't subscribed yet, please subscribe. YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, we're everywhere. You know, you, you'll, you'll find us somewhere. Just subscribe, and uh, we're gonna keep on trying to pump this content content out for you guys. So everyone, have a great night, hey guys. Thank make you sure you follow me on IG. Follow me on Instagram, Raymond Harris, Raymond underscore Harris. Instagram. I'm trying to uh, make my my space right now in this uh, uh, this new age of marketing, and so oh, yeah, I look forward to all three of you and all your listeners. Like, follow me. We 